Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Is this America, the land of the free and the home of the brave? Wake up, America, wake up! The political division in the country undeniably deep right now. The big question on a lot of people's minds, can Americans come together and heal? I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. Welcome back to Uncommon Ground. This is the show where we are trying to figure out what it's going to take to make meaningful change in a country that is as divided as our country has gotten. Now, this is an important month to me. This is Black History Month. It's an important time for us to reflect on some of the stuff that's going on in America. And, you know, frankly, some of the stuff we just don't talk about enough, especially the racial wealth divide, which is really just off the charts. And I'm in a weird position to be able to do something about it, I hope. As you may or may not remember, in July of last year, 2021, Jeff Bezos gave me the first ever Courage and Civility Award. It's a hundred million bucks to advance good causes, to support charities and and communities that need help. And I was super grateful to get that, but I was also a little bit nervous because I did not want to waste a single penny of that. And so I reached out to somebody who's a close friend of mine who knows a lot about philanthropic endeavors at this scale. His name is John Hope Bryant, world-class entrepreneur, philanthropist. And in 2020, he also got a hundred million dollars for his organization, Operation Hope. So John and I are in this really unusual position. Uh, Let's just be honest. We're two black guys that have tremendous access to capital that we can leverage for good. John is focused on financial literacy and building black wealth as a way to get to social justice. I'm focused on using capital to disrupt the incarceration industry. We're going to get into all of that and more Stay tuned for my conversation with John Hope Bryant right after this short break. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. 
Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Brother man, brother man, how are you, sir? I'm absolutely blessed. God is good. I, I just appreciate uh, getting a chance to talk with you at, at any point uh, for any reason, but especially now. And what I want to talk with you about is what I should do. <laughs> it's the craziest. <laughs> it's not, it's not an infinite amount of money. It's, 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 it's a certain amount of money for a certain period of time. And one of the things that you've said many times, and I hope you'll share with my listeners is that we're in a new era. That's no longer the civil rights movement. It's the silver rights movement and economic empowerment, ownership, entrepreneurship, uh, financial literacy, this is been this is the frontier that they never let us cross until now, and you know you have been such a stalwart person in carrying out that fight. And I just wonder if you could just enlighten my listeners about how you take it. You have such a different approach. And the whole time I've known you, twenty plus years, you know you were in a completely different lane. Uh, I was suing cops and marching in the streets and protesting. Uh, you had a different lunch counter <laughs> that you were going to uh, in the financial sector. Can you just talk a little bit about? Um, you know, uh, you know what you're doing with the hundreds of millions of dollars that you have access to to try to make a difference for our communities. Well, first of all, uh, you educated me, good brother, the last time we were together on the two sides of justice, and and I'm gonna go back again and tie your work to Dr. King. You know, Dr. King um, so told Ambassador Young, hey, Andy, we we integrated the lunch counter, but we didn't integrate the dollar, and maybe we should have been focused more on or equally as important on desegregating our communities as we were integrating into other folks' communities. Um, Dr. King had lots of questions about strategy. I mean, he, he went to, he went to Israel with his wife and he was on the Jericho road and with ambassador young and the reporter said, this is a little known reporter story. Dr. King, you remind me of the good Samaritan on the Jericho road. Dr. King said nothing. <laughs> so later, later on, Ambassador Young he called him Andy. He's, he's, Ambassador Young said, "You know, Marty called him Marty." Well, hey, no, what, what? Why didn't you respond to that reporter? He said, "Well, Andy, I, I think that we need Good Samaritans. I like Good Samaritans. I love Good Samaritans. I love the story of the Good Samaritan." But Andy, I don't want to be a Good Samaritan. He said, "The Jericho Road is dangerous. It's got blind corners. It's got people laying in wait. It's got darkened alleys. It's got..." Like off the main road is dirty. It's it's it's, it's unkept. It, it is a it's it's dangerous um, and it's unsustained. Andy, I want to put light uh, lights street lights up along the Jericho Road. Andy, I want to see community development and home ownership along the Jericho Road. Andy, I want to see small business along the Jericho Road. Andy, I want to see a paved road down the Jericho Road. Andy, I want to, I want to straighten the Jericho Road. Andy, we have to fix the Jericho Road. Dr. King was killed as he started talking about that topic. And, and Andrew Young said later, uh, to live in a system of free enterprise, not to understand the rules of free enterprise must be the very definition of slavery. So the, the first priority has to be black people because uh, we were the only ones enslaved on American soil. It was the largest, largest reverse transfer of wealth in U.S. history as, as African-Americans came here and worked for free <laughs> for 240 years, uncompensated, uh, and couldn't create capital because we were capital, bought, traded, insured, invested. So 
we have to be the first priority when talking about social justice, but then it should involve everybody else who also has challenges too, including our poor white brothers and sisters. So you think you think you think you got a lot of money. You don't. <laughs> I know a ball player who had a hundred million dollar contract and went broke. <laughs> right? You don't have a lot of money, man. And you need to make sure nobody guilts you. So let's take let's take all the money in the world, man, all the billionaires we know. Let's distribute it equally to everybody in the world, equally. Everybody gets a share. What will happen is that within three to five years, the folks who had the money before will have it again. <laughs> if that's all you do. Because they got the memo on how capitalism, free enterprise, wealth creation works, how money works, and everybody else did not. So money alone is not it. It's about wealth creation. Wealth creation is a mindset. You build wealth in your sleep. So I, th I believe in social justice through an economic lens. That's the question you were asking earlier. I think that we've gone from civil rights in the streets to civil rights in the business suites. So we've got to build generational wealth, which starts with a mindset, which is why I'm obsessed with financial literacy as a new, as a new civil rights issue. Uh, if you know better, you do better. The opposite side of that van is in every inner city that you and I care about, here's what you see. A check casher next to a payday loan lender, next to a rent-to-owned store, next to a pawn shop, next to a, next to a I don't know, a liquor store, and a church down the street as a sort of fake psychologist trying to make you feel good once a week so you don't go cray-cray. And that same thing is in, is in a poor white neighborhood in rural white America. And what they both have in common is their 500 to 600 credit score neighborhoods. So... This thing of civil rights has been around since the beginning of time. It just was never optimized, was never made into a business plan. And then you got the second part of justice you educated me on, which is how do you make good things happen to seemingly good people at scale? And that's what I'm doing with financial literacy. You're doing criminal justice reform. You got your hands full without fussing with anybody else. Actually, you could just fund. I take charity starts at home, brother. I take half of that money and I'd endow my own initiatives that have worked and for which and for which people are going to hold you accountable. Yeah. You said, look, we're spending fifty, hundred thousand dollars a year on prison inmates. Can't we find a smarter way of doing that? I mean, it, it, the Republican Party needs a platform. Don't catch off. I mean, isn't, isn't that your business? I mean, isn't that the way y'all think? I mean, Jesus, we're taking a hundred thousand dollars a year and we are wasting it on a system that has not worked uh, called the penal system. Well, you should say it better than me. I mean, Drop the mic. Tell me what you said. Well, let me. I'll say a couple of things. One is I, I appreciate what you're saying in, in this distinction between uh, civil rights and civil rights. Um, I think is really, really important. You know, uh, you know, economic rights um, got dropped out. Uh, if you look at the kind of progressive conversation, you had civil rights and you had what are called social rights or economic rights, and along the way. Uh, the, 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 the social and economic rights were kind of dropped out of the conversation. We focus more on the right to vote, uh, freedom from you know, being persecuted, all that kind of stuff. But um, it, you know, it really does take both sides, equal protection from bad stuff, but also equal opportunity to good stuff. But there's 2.2 million people still in jails and prisons, many of them for stuff that if they had had a little bit more money or different skin color, they wouldn't even have seen a police officer for. And so what, what I do believe is that um, it, it's a, if we're going to be honest about it, if we're going to look at it the way we look at everything else in society, it's a $90 billion industry. 
the prison industry, the incarceration industry, is a $90 billion industry every year, year after year. It's a business. It's a business in the U.S. alone. $90 billion a year based on a 17th century technology called dungeons. There's been no technological improvement since dungeons. Uh, not, not, not a breakthrough. You, know, you make a supermax dungeon, but it's still a dungeon. Um, it, to your point, thirty dollars to $50,000 per adult, and in many states, as much as $100,000 per year, per kid, every year. And at the end of the year, you got the same kid and more tattoos and nothing else. What in the heck are we doing? There's no f- alignment of financial incentives inside of that system. Uh, if, you, if the warden lets everybody out when they serve their sentence and they all go out and kill people, the warden doesn't get fired. If the warden lets everybody out and they all go out and get the Nobel Peace Prize, he doesn't get a raise, she doesn't get a bonus. There is literally no alignment of financial incentives for the people who run that system and the outcomes. You've never seen an industry like this. So first of all, if you have a problem and it's legitimate, let's say it's crime, whatever it is, and folks want a pill to solve the problem, which is what people want. They want a pill. Give me a pill. Give me the shortest answer to solving this. Well, in the short term, I want a tactical team. I want some more weapons. I want a SWAT team. Now, that creates what's called budget. Now, who wants to give up budget? Let's just talk, just sort of generally speaking here now. Now you've got this this system that is almost self-perpetuating, self-protecting, because now you've got the SWAT teams and all this stuff, and now you you got to use it on something. you got to ram something, and you got to ram the, the truck through some door. you gotta, you got you to gotta use the bullets. I mean, otherwise, they're going to take away your budget. So this system, and you, so now you go around looking for problems, looking for bad guys versus looking for some, something to solve. Bill Clinton once said, it's hard to get somebody to agree to the truth and the lies paying their paycheck. Slavery, the civil rights started because whites and some whites in the South, because two thirds of the whites were poor, by the way, some whites in the South were like, I'm not giving up my way of life in my mansion, in my version of a limousine, which is a, 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 a cart with a buggy with a horse on it, and my servants, because you want freedom for everybody, because you want you, you want justice and humanity. I'm not giving that up. We're going to war. It was economic. It was wrong. And of course, they lost. But it was economics. So this example, and what happened after slavery for 100 years was, was convict lease, leasing, as you know. There was another million people after slavery who were leased out for economic reasons by the state. And, and to me, what I think is that, um, you know, to the extent that the argument about, uh, you know, racism and racial, the racial injustice and the social injustice of the system, those arguments have been made and continue to be made. Don't stop making them. The problem is, having made them myself for 25 years, um, we still have 2.2 million people in prison, 4.2 million on probation and parole, the biggest system of unfreedom in the history of the world times two or three in the land of the free. Um, I think we're at a place now where um, the same mentality that was used to disrupt bookstores with Amazon and to disrupt the taxi industry with Lyft and Uber and to disrupt the hotel industry with Airbnb should be used to disrupt the incarceration industry. Um, that's all. Um, it, it, you know, everybody says they hate capitalism and they're saying it on their cell phone while they're ordering some product on an app that a capitalist made. So I understand, you know, we're all in this together, but uh, is there some way to use technology, uh, competition, innovation 
to completely disrupt the incarceration industry? That's a question that I'm you know, trying to pursue because I believe if you gave any of these uh, young entrepreneurs, black, white, brown, or otherwise, $100,000 and one kid, I mean, you know, you could put a bracelet on the kid. Why you put the kid in a dungeon? You could put a bracelet on the kid that would alert you if they were going the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. But you could also give them a tablet with Harvard level education. You could give them a, a personal coach. You could give them nutrition. You, you could use biometrics to help them, you know, improve their brain function. You could give them trauma specialists. You could, and you'd still have about eighty thousand dollars left. I mean, like there is no way to mess up this much money for troubled kids unless you had no intention of helping them in the first place. You know, dare we dream? I mean, what if wardens, everybody wants to put wardens down because all they do is warehouse people while they're getting brutalized, but they don't have any financial stake in any other opportunity. They get in trouble if there's a riot. If you're a warden and there's a riot, you lose your job. Other than that, you have no responsibilities that you're going to lose your job over or get a pay raise for. What if for every person who left your facility, six months later, if they're gainfully employed, you get a check. 12 months later, if they're still gainfully employed, you get a check. Three years later, now every one of these people in my facility is money for my family. I'm going to make sure they get the best coaching, the best training, the best counseling, meditation, yoga, whatever, because now I've got a stake in them. But until we, we create, the, until we use financial incentives and technology and all the things that we're using every place else to deal with the worst system that's holding our community back, uh, then I think we can't argue that we're serious about change. You, you made a great point. Let's elevate it. You missed an opportunity that I want to make sure everybody hears that, that you know about. It's just that you didn't say it. I want to make sure people hear it. it there's two ways to make money. You can, write, you can cash a check or you can write one. <laughs> if you cash a check, you can make some money. If you write a check, you're going to build wealth. And, you know, what's a drug dealer? If it's illegal, it's immoral, all that stuff, yes. But they're also not dumb. They are basically illegal and ethical entrepreneurs. They understand import, export, finance, marketing, wholesale, retail, customer service, security, territory, logistics, and go on and on and on. These are not, these are natural hustlers. They're a natural entrepreneur. A drug dealer is an illegal and ethical entrepreneur, and a gang leader is a frustrated union organizer. You've got incredible talent, talent of organization and, and, and execution of Free enterprise principles, essentially, that are untapped and unused in your city. Now, we call, society wants to call these bad people, but they didn't say that to the folks running moonshine in the Appalachian Mountains in the early 20th century, which is, because that industry is now called NASCAR. Okay. Folks running moonshine realize that ultimately they're going to get shot, killed, or jailed. So they need to, but they were good at driving. So they decided to perfect the part, let, let the legal part go. Focus on the driving part. Literally, the billions, the multi-billion-dollar industry called NASCAR. Those families you go back five generations. Those are moonshine runners. I tell you something: black discrimination, discrimination against blacks in the last twenty years, according to Citigroup, cost the American economy sixteen trillion dollars. Van trillion with a T, T, and that's lost black business wealth mostly in home ownership and jobs. So if we just knock it off, just we just stop discrimination against blacks. The economy picks up a trillion dollars a year in additional GDP. We rehabilitate the bottom 50% of our society and and prepare them for the jobs of the future. So we're we're not talking about hurting my white brothers and sisters with an education, right? Y'all got y'alls. Now you got to be more than white. You got to be white with a good idea, white with a solution, white with fair play, 
white with decency. You can't just be white, but you got to be white with, you still going to be good. What we're really talking about here is expanding the table and adding a chair. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. On the Nintendo Switch system, there's so many worlds you can explore. Like Hyrule, where I can fight enemies and save the kingdom with Link. <laughs> that sounds adventurous. Or my very own island in Animal Crossing New Horizons, where I can fish whenever I want. the size of that thing you can find even more worlds to explore on the nintendo switch system games rated e to e10 plus games and systems sold separately the reality is nobody likes what's coming out of the prisons the cops don't like it community doesn't like it and the people coming out of prison don't like it and so you literally have you have an industry that's producing a product that literally nobody likes it's incredibly expensive that hasn't been innovative for for literally three almost 400 years um, and yet, if you created a de-incarceration industry where people could make money getting people transformed and job ready and coming home, now suddenly you've got, uh, you've tapped all that genius you just described and turned all that talent for good. Um, and, you, and you did it, you didn't do it by talking about anything but the same principles we've used to disrupt every other industry. So we're not asking for anything special. We're just saying apply the same thing over here. <laughs> but you cannot march, your, you cannot march yourself out of budgets. Let's, let's make that point clear, Van. People cannot march themselves out of, out of established budgets. If somebody has a budget that's billions of dollars, they're not giving it up because they, because you think that their industry is unfair. You got to give them, a, as you say, an alternate solution, an alternate way to make money positively versus making money negatively. Go ahead. It's the same thing with, when it comes to climate change, you know, uh, if, if all we were doing was marching against the polluters and the coal companies and we didn't have solar panels and we didn't have electric cars and we didn't have hydrogen, well, then what are you doing? I mean, you have to have something that can scale uh, to replace the other thing. And by the way, the minute you set up the proper incentives, Exxon will be the biggest solar company in the world. But if you give, if you give them the proper incentives, they can, they can shift, they can switch. But that does bring, you know, you're, you're a big champion of capitalism. And, um, you know, I want to just ask you two things. That you, I'm sure you hear all the time. One is, uh, what, what do you think about the role of capitalism and big business in imperiling the planet and in climate change and global warming and all these different issues? Um, and then number two, uh, when people say that, you know, you know it's, it's a mindset issue with poverty, uh, that's definitely a part of it. Uh, but then people might accuse you of, of blaming the poor. How do you respond to uh, those kind of questions and concerns about about your philosophy that it's bad for the earth and you're blaming the poor? Yeah, those are two great questions. Here's what I say to that. Democracy and capitalism are both horrible systems, except for every other system. I say to my friends who say they hate America because they get frustrated because of all of our problems we have here. We have lots of problems. Drives me nuts. 
I said to my if the last president got reelected, my wife said we're moving to Canada. <laughs> He's buying a house in Canada. Right? So it, we got lots of very serious problems with you know the death of truth, the death of decency. The, uh, but I say to people, here's a plane ticket. You don't like what's going on here? I'll pay for you to go anywhere you like. <laughs> not one of my, <laughs> not one of my friends have left. Right, uh, because every place else is worse. Right. Um, so he was like, "Oh, we need a we need a system like like uh, Norway and Sweden." Okay, but those are all capitalist countries. They just they just have a progressive tax system. All they do is they just take a large proportion of the income and reappoint it to the bottom half. Well, we should. We, people say, "Well, we could do that." Well, hold on. Okay, they have no poverty there. Those Nordic. First of all, those what smaller countries? They have no poverty there, but they're also there's no upside potential. You don't see black people running industry running business, running anything in the Nordic countries. So they cap the downside, but government's really bad at showing you how to be a success. So the free enterprise system does allow you to go from the hood, a drug dealer, to, uh, I don't know, Jay-Z. <laughs> right? You know, this is not me dinging him. This is his own words. Um, or whoever it is you. Only in America can you go from the bottom to the top. Uh, so what we need to do is software upgrade the system. And it drives me nuts when people say, we hate capitalism. No, you don't. You hate capital. You hate rich people till you become rich, right? What you hate is a gamed system. That's what you hate, right? Um, and and so let's take the game out of it because you know everything we look at, you know, uh, Harvard University, HBCUs, uh, you know, the, the the school of business named whatever, 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 you know, whatever thing you love, Ford Foundation came out of capitalism and free enterprise. The fact that we talk about Tulsa. Right. As horrible as that was and all that black Wall Street, that was not black Wall Street. That was black supposed to be street. You're supposed to have black homeowners. You're supposed to have black small businesses. You're supposed to have black doctors and dentists. That should be every street in America. If anybody's got a better suggestion about how we we come up from nothing, I'm all ears. But in the absence of a better strategy, I like the strategy that took me from the hood in South Central L.A. and Compton, California with nothing. That's given me a net worth that rivals rap, biggest rap stars on the planet. Right? That's allowed me to employ hundreds of people. It's allowed me to do millions of dollars worth of philanthropy every year. It's allowed me to now control, you know, or to direct three and a half billion dollars worth of capital with a current budget of one hundred and fifty million dollars or something. I like that system. I, I could never have existed in China or Russia or France. Neither could you. So, so okay. So then, then the whole blaming poverty on the poor piece—I don't even understand what that. I, I don't understand what that means. I'm not telling people to, sh- to bootstrap themselves without shoelaces. I'm not saying that. I've created three and a half billion dollars worth of homeowners and small business owners at Operation Hope. I'm not selling wolf tickets. I'm selling results. Right? I'm moving credit scores fifty-four points in six months. Nothing changes your life more than God or love than moving your credit score 120 points. You better go on and preach. <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a riot in a 700 credit score neighborhood in all of America's history. You know, if you want to change America, I know this sounds ridiculous, man. I can't change how you feel about me. I can't change racists and how their beliefs. I can't change the groundwater effects of 500 years, not by myself. But you can change your credit score all by yourself. My mother has a credit score of 854. She's not black. She's green. She can get anything she wants. So if you move a credit score as 100 points in any neighborhood, you stabilize that neighborhood. It's not about the credit score. <clears throat> it's about the trending indicator of hope, well-being, engagement, belief, goes to mindset, optimism, uh, a sense of yes, I can, moving from a mentality of surviving to thriving to winning. Here's what I know about Van Jones. Van knew he was a winner before he won anything. 
Here's what you know about John O'Brien because of his mother. John knew he was a winner before he won anything. Here's what we know about Felicia, uh, F- F- Felicia Horowitz, our friend, or Ben Horowitz, or all the people that you and I know, uh, 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 Gail King. They are all, they knew they were a winner. TD Jakes, our buddy. They knew they were winning before they won anything. They were broke. They weren't poor. Mindset is everything, man. There's a difference between being broke and being poor. These folks, what did Malcolm X say? We've been bamboozled. We've been tricked. We've been fooled. We've been convinced that money is everything. It's not. Money, you can spend money today and be broke tomorrow. Mindset is how you build wealth. You build wealth in your sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I, 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 <laughs> mic drop, mic drop. Um, look, I am, um, uh, I, I just love you to death. Uh, and I and I've watched your rise. I, I I knew you would. I love you to life. Yeah, love you to death, life, and afterlife. Um, I I I didn't have the words for it, um, but I feel strengthened in talking to you. What I plan to do is do. I see it as miracle money. I didn't ask for it. I didn't apply for it. I want every penny to make a miracle. That's my standard. I want every penny to make a miracle, and. By looking at through that lens, what is possible? What is transformative? Can we completely transform the incarceration industry? Not reform it, transform it. It is hard doing what you're doing, but what we're essentially saying, audience, we want the James Brown version of affirmative action. Open the door, we'll get it ourselves. Our people don't want to hand out, they want to hand up. And when you do that, they'll contribute to this American fabric. They'll help to make true America truly the extraordinary country that's a beacon for the world. And it starts with people like Van Jones, who I back 100%. I love him. Brother, uh, and, and same back at you. Um, and we'll stay together. Much love to you, brother. Love and light. We see the beauty of hope. That spirit is so beautiful. Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door. You know, I've, I've known John Hope Bryant for a very long time. I, I met him super early in his career when he was fresh out of South Central. We were at the World Economic Forum as the so-called young global leaders uh, together we're in Davos, Switzerland. And he was already shocking people with just how smart he is, how determined he is, how courageous he was. I mean, he'd be talking to world leaders just face-to-face. And you know, if you're listening, you didn't know who was the president and who's like the grassroots guy, <laughs> who's the prime minister and who's the, the grassroots guy. He just always had that determination to move forward an agenda that would help the people that he was concerned about. And he was just fearless about it. And the truth is there are a lot of John Hope Bryant's in this world, the young version, who are in communities, who know what's going on, who who have a passion for change, who know how to help people. I, I think we need to make a lot more room for those voices before they hit the the big level that John Hope Bryant is at. And you know, during our conversation, John said something that I thought was super smart. He talked about the talent that's out here in these streets. You, you reframe drug dealers as natural entrepreneurs. Through my work in, in jails and prisons, I've met a lot of guys uh, who are a lot smarter than I am. They're better leaders than I am. They're better looking than I am. They're more capable than I am. But they made some mistake uh, when they were younger, and now they're locked up. And uh, some of the people who we've labeled as criminals 
are actually really astute activists, artists, intellectuals, business startup leaders. They are put in a situation where we lock them into their circumstances based on their past instead of providing them a way out based on the future that they could create. And I think we're missing a lot. I think we're squandering a lot of talent. And uh, I'm constantly trying to figure out what we can do about it. Now, John thinks the answer is in financial literacy. And that's why he has dedicated himself so much to disseminating the skills and the resources and all the know-how to communities that have really been locked out of and left out of the whole financial equation, the whole wealth-building equation. And that's kind of his approach. My approach through my organization, the Dream Corps, is to work at the policy level, trying to close prison doors and open up doors of opportunity uh, into 21st century jobs and skill sets. So, you know, that's what I'm doing. That's what John's doing. But, you know, I really want to hear from you. There's a lot of good ideas out there. I'm steeped in this work uh, with regard to getting these underestimated young people uh, tapped in and pulled in. If you got questions about that or reactions to what I'm talking about, I want to hear from you. Are there other ways to make change that we haven't even talked about on this episode or other episodes? I want to hear from you. Are there other sources of genius and talent that you think America is overlooking or missing out on? I want to hear from you. Leave me a voicemail at 347-770-2785. That's 347-770-2785. Your message will be recorded. We might even play it on a future episode. I want to be a part of this conversation with you. More food for thought for you is John Hope Bryant's latest book. It's called Up From Nothing, The Untold Story of How We All Succeed. I think it will inspire you, inform you, provoke you. And let's stay in contact. Let's keep talking. That's it this week for Uncommon Ground. See you next time. Uncommon Ground with Van Jones is an Amazon original production. It's produced by Magic Labs Media and Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Adesua Agbanile, Sundus Hassan Noli, and Lindsay Cradlewell. Our managing producers are Lauren D. and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for this show is led by Alice Zoe, Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Moraes, Chantel Muentes, and Sam Petherbridge. Special thanks to Jana Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, Drew Schwindeman, Eric Carter, Trevor McNeil, Carrie McCarran, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Louie, and Chris Jackman. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hey, you. It's Jason Bateman. Have you listened to Smartless? Smartless is the podcast that I host with my friends who are more like brothers. The super talented and funny Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is... JJ, well, JJ, JJ, why are, you, yeah. why are you whispering? Well, it, there's, there's a... Pst, 
in the in the in the copy. But people are listening, so it's like they are listening. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In each episode of Smartless, one of us reveals our mystery guest to the other two. What ensues is a genuinely improvised and authentic conversation. Our mystery guests span. Our mystery. We'll cut this out. Our mystery guests. All right, here we go. We got a lot of big famous people from different walks of life, and if you're yeah, a Matthew Wondery fan, then you're I'm gonna stone, yeah. just you come and listen Tyson. to it. We're yeah. on Wondery right now, and you can listen to us. And no matter what you're doing, you're at the gym or you're in the car, just listen yeah. to the podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye. Bye.